Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Would you, let's get this party started, stand for the reading of the word. We are in 2 Kings 3, 9 through 24. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called thus three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom um, went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do, you want to get, why do you want to get involved with me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me the harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. And he said, this is the word of the Lord. I will fill this valley with pools of water, for this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabs or the Moabites into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for the offering of the sacrifice, there was, um, there it was, there was water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come to fight against them, so every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder, Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, let's pray. Stay standing as we pray together. Lord, thank you so much for today and for giving us another day to live and enjoy you. And God, I just am praying right now in these next few moments that you would, by your spirit, ignite faith in our lives, ignite faith in this room, ignite faith in the room of every person that is listening 
to this message right now. Lord, I pray that we would have a faith that believes that you can perform the miraculous, a faith that believes that the miraculous is actually easy for you, a faith that moves mountains, a faith that actually causes us to faithfully walk with you every single day, Lord. And I just ask that you to anoint my words. Use my words, Lord. And as, as they come out, Lord, I pray that you speak to, speak to us. Speak to your people. Speak to everybody, Lord. I pray that you would meet us right where we're at and challenge us to move forward, God, because I'm believing and asking for you to ignite faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, before you're seated, turn to the friend next to you, someone close to you, and say, it's time to get a shovel. Okay? Then you can have a seat, all right? You can do it at home, too, if you want to do it at home. Feel free. Then go ahead and have a seat. So, hey, one thing I want to share, big, uh, big news for Rivers Church that applies to all of us. For the next six weeks, we actually are going to have one service for six weeks during the 1045 service. So this will be the only service we have for the next six weeks. So all the 9 a.m. people, I had to apologize to them because they, they like the 9 a.m. Uh, you guys are here at 1045. This probably works better for you. So you're like, great. You, you chose my service. You chose correctly, Pastor Tyrone. This was something that I've been thinking about for family month this year. We always do family month in February. It's just a fun month of just having fun with kids and family and just doing different things. We get inflatables, have food trucks, and have some fun creative stuff that we like to do in February. We're going to do that again in February for the four months of February. It's going to be family month, super fun month. And so we decided let's not wait until then. Let's do it now. And, you know, there's still this, this COVID craziness that's just going on right now. And it's be fun for us to get together. Not just in February, but for the next two weeks as well. So that added two more weeks. So for the next six weeks, 1045 only. We'll meet right here. After that, in March, the first Sunday of March, plan to go back to two services again, 9 a.m., 1045. And by the way, that's when we're going to kick off season two of the apocalypse. Back to the book of Revelation. So we'll do that then. So it's uh, excited for that. Looking forward to that. But next six weeks, 1045 only. So don't forget. But you're the 1045 crowd, so it might not be easy. It might be okay for you to forget, right? You show up and you're like, oh, I forgot, but here I am. So today I want to talk to you about digging ditches. I want to talk to us about hard work. Anybody love hard work out there? Come on, who are my hard workers? We live in a culture, a society that values hard work. And I think for good reason. It's important to be a hard worker. It's a good quality to have in your life. As we raise our kids, we want to instill hard work into our kids. You know, as they grow up as kids and teenagers, it's amazing just how allergic they are to hard work though, right? So we got to keep talking about it, keep trying to instill that into them. And, and I dream of the day when my teenagers walk up to me and say, dad, I just want to do a whole bunch of chores today. I'm just excited to work hard. What do you want me to do? Yeah, come on. Here we go. All right. So that's, that would be amazing. Uh, or at least they would say, I like to work hard. That would be great. I just, that would be awesome. We're still working towards that, you know, for all the amazing things about teenagers. There's so much we can learn from teenagers, so much that I love about teenagers. That's one area that we want to help them grow in, right? For most, generally speaking, is this thing called hard work because it's a good quality to have. We live in a culture that values it and looks down on people who are lazy, so I think as believers in Jesus, as followers of him, we should be the hardest workers around. 
I think that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you should be the hardest worker in your workplace. You should be the hardest worker in your school. People should notice how you work and what you do, the, the quality of work that you do when you do work. And in fact, Jesus said this, says that we're called to shine our light before all men so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's amazing that how you and I live, the things that we do, the good things that we do, even the hard work as a part of that, can actually cause people to see God through us and through what we do. I pray that happens for you. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about laziness and being a sluggard, and it's not good. So be a hard worker. But let me propose to you this thought today. Prayer is the most important work that you do in your life. Out of all the work that you do, prayer is the most important work in your life. And for some of us that value work, maybe this can help us lean into this prayer in, in our, the spiritual portion of our life. Because it's amazing how we can work hard in all these other areas and neglect our relationship with God. Kind of push it aside. But I work hard here, I work hard here, and then I just don't have any time or energy for God. But can I just encourage us with this thought today? Prayer is the most important work in your life. And for some people, work is one of those things that you don't like to do, but you do it because you have to do it because you have to make money to pay the bills, but you don't enjoy it. Okay, so that's work. And so this idea of like work is something I have to do, but I don't really want to do. I pray that God would change our mindset because work is something that God has given you to do. You are called to work. You are gifted to work. And work is a form of worship in your life. That's why it matters how you work. Whatever it is that you do for work, it is a form of worship. And I pray that you would worship through your work. However you make a living, however you pay the bills, it's a sacred thing, actually. You're not just helping out society and serving society and making this world and our city and our community a better place, which we're thankful for, but it's actually a worship to God, your work is worship. And I pray that we would have that mindset in whatever I do, whatever I put my hands to, whatever the work is, it is a worship unto God. But the most important work in my life is prayer. And so we're in the season of prayer right now. Many of us are in the 21-day fast. And I'm just praying for you as you're in that fast that God's going to do something new in your life, that this is going to be a season of breakthrough for you. I'm praying for God to release a new prayer in your life. There's something new that God has for you. As you and I are fasting, we're letting go of some stuff so we can get a hold of God. We're saying no to some things that we really, really, really like because we really want to say, God, you're more important than whatever that is that I like. I want you to be first in my life, not these other things. And so we're fasting, we're seeking God, we're agreeing together, remember, for God to pour out his spirit on our lives and on this church. We're agreeing together for people to receive the salvation that God has for them. Let's pray and believe for that together as we fast together. So here's what prayer is. Prayer is basically you and I doing our part so God can do his part. Think of it that way. I'm going to do my part so that God can do his part. Heard a story about a missionary named James Frazier. He was a missionary back in the early part of the 20th century to China. He was in the, uh, the Yunnan province, is what it was called. And he actually went there, didn't know anybody, but started leading people to Jesus. And so he had quite a few different converts to Christianity 
in different villages all around this province, the Yunnan province, which is like eastern, southeastern part of China. It actually borders Myanmar. And so he had led a bunch of people to, to Jesus, was discipling them, was meeting with them, studying the Bible together, worshiping. He was encouraging them. And so he would just travel all around and, and do that. And also with the prayer and the hopes and the belief that he was going to lead more people to become followers of Jesus and find life in him. And wouldn't you know, one winter, it snowed really hard. It was a bad winter. And he couldn't get to the, uh, the villages up in the higher mountain area. So he was really actually worried and stressed that these people that are now following Jesus could turn their back on Jesus. Like, if I can't get to them, what's going to happen? He actually was worried and actually journaled and wrote about this, that they would turn back to their demon worship and their old lifestyle and, and just turn away from Jesus. And so as he was praying and thinking about this, he asked God, what can I do? How, how can I respond to this? And he felt compelled to take all those days that he would use traveling to those different villages and spend it in intercession and prayer. So all winter long, that's what he did. He traveled to those people that he could. He would encourage them, worship with them, you know, study the word together. But those that he couldn't visit, he would take those days, three, four days in a row, and he would pray and he would intercede. And you want to know what happened at the end of that winter? When the snow finally melted, he got up into those higher elevation villages and he began to meet with his brothers and sisters who were following Jesus. What he discovered actually kind of astounded him because he discovered, discovered they had grown more in that season. They had matured more than the other people that he'd been meeting with on a regular basis. And he learned firsthand right there that this is the power of my prayers and my intercession. Well, do you believe that God answers and, and moves through your prayers? It's important that we do, because if we don't believe God answers our prayers or that my prayers even matter, we're not going to pray, right? <laughs> I'm just not even going to start. So I got I to start in that place where I believe God moves based upon my prayers. I believe God is oftentimes waiting for me to call out to him. God is waiting for me to do my part so that he can do his part, because that's what prayer is, right? It's me doing my part, us doing our part, so that God can do what only he can do. And that's changed people's lives. That's sent his spirit to move and to heal and to, to, and to act in different situations. And so we're going to have fun talking about this story here in 2 Kings chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, feel free to go there. Go back there. But you notice we got the king of Israel in this story. His name is Joram. And as the king of Israel, he at this period of time also had rule and command over the Moabites, but when he was king, the Moabites rebelled against him, and the king of Moab says, we will no longer serve you, we don't want anything to do with you. So Joram, the king of Israel, is upset. He gathers some, his friends, kind of pseudo-friends, the, the kingdoms next to him. So he gathers Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and he says, let's go to battle against the Moabites. And you know what's amazing? Do you think about this? It's amazing what people will do when they have a con common enemy. People who don't usually associate will come together when there's a common enemy. People who don't even agree with each other, all of a sudden they got a common enemy. Well, let's agree on this and let's go after this person or this thing. I think this is why it's so important for the church to be unified because we got a common enemy. Hey, we can have different theology and different minds, all this kind of stuff, but we got a common enemy. We got to unify as the body of Christ to know that our enemy, the devil, wants to, to tear us apart, wants to bring division to the church, to families, to marriages. And so we've got to come together in unity. Okay, so it's just a little, little side note there. 
So these three kings, they gather their armies. They're marching through the desert day after day after day. And then what happens? Did you notice in the story? They ran out of water in the desert. It's not a good thing to happen when you're in the desert. You know, sometimes in life we hit a desert season, don't we? Sometimes it happens to us. It's a season where it's just dry. It's difficult. Sometimes it's lonely. It's something we never asked for, but we end up there sometimes. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we've brought us there, right? Okay. It was my stupidity that brought me here, but sometimes it's just life that too. I mean, you've noticed from the story we read last week, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. And so these moments can happen in our life. And, and what's worse than that dry desert season is when you're in that season, then you run out of water. It's like, this is the end of the rope here. This is it. I got nothing. Outside of a miracle, I got nothing. And that's where these guys are at right now in the season. You ever been in the desert before? <laughs> but you there right now? <laughs> You know, your greatest need can become a blessing when it causes you to rely on God. And that's why it's important, and I even said this last week, don't despise the desert. Because it can cause us to really, really rely on God and look to Him. It's in these moments of desert seasons that the decisions we make become extremely important. Because they can make or break the rest of our life. I've seen so many people get into this place and they make all these emotional decisions. It's all about feelings and they take their life off this course away from God and all the great plans that he has, has for their life. So the decisions we make in these seasons are so important. We've got to make sure we're going to the right people. We've got to make sure we're listening to the right messages. We're not listening to those people that are stuck in the same place as us. We aren't listening to those people that haven't seen breakthrough in their life, haven't trusted God and seen God move them forward in life. We've got to go to the right people in the right places, listen to the right messages, right? Because what we do has a great impact on the rest of our life. So Joram, the king of Israel, he's like, this is it. We're dead. Did God really bring us out here to hand us over to the Moabites? Is this what this is all about? But King Jehoshaphat has a different perspective. He says, we need to hear from God. We need a word from God. Is there a prophet anywhere in this region? See, your greatest need can become a blessing when it causes you to rely on God. I just love that God and his grace and his mercy loves to meet us right there in that moment. You're at the end of your rope. God's there. Whether it was your fault or not, God's love and grace oftentimes says, I'm still here for you. Here we go. I got gotcha. you. I'm just so thankful that he doesn't say, I told you so. You deserve that. See, you did this. No, no, he's just, his love and grace is right there. Come on, let's go. All right, I'm ready. But let me encourage us to be people who aren't just looking to him when we need him, but we're living a faithful life to him in every season of our life. So they hear that Elisha, the prophet, who's the protege of Elijah, is in the region, and they go to the prophet Elisha, which is a good decision because he's a mighty man of God. I love reading about Elisha and Elijah, both of them. We did a whole series 
several years ago on these two guys. We called it Stranger Things because, man, the things that happened in their life are strange. It was phenomenal. In those days, though, back in the Old Testament days, if you wanted to hear from God, you had to go to the prophet. I'm so thankful we live on this side of the cross. On this side of the cross, Jesus has already paid the price for our sin. He has reconciled us back to God. We can boldly approach God with confidence. We can approach the throne of God. We can hear from God ourselves. It is good to seek godly wisdom at times. We need that, okay? But we ourselves can hear from God. I'm thankful that Jesus did that for us through the cross. But here in the Old Testament, they had to go to the prophet to hear from God. And they're doing it because they're in quite the predicament, aren't they? They're in the desert, no water. All of them and their livestock are about ready to die. And I love the little tagline of our series. Extraordinary circumstances call for extraordinary prayer. It's on that little explicit label. And I love that. Extraordinary circumstances call for extraordinary prayer. These guys are in an extraordinary circumstance. Thankfully, they're going to an extraordinary man of God. And in this season... Uh, maybe you're, you're facing some things, and ordinary prayer is not what it requires to get through it. It's going it's to require extraordinary prayer, and the Spirit of God is going to release that in your life. You're going to experience that in a new and a fresh way. So they go to Elisha, and did you notice Elisha's comments to these guys? Did you catch the, the, the what would you call it, the, the unhappiness, the shock? Yeah, he was it's extremely sarcastic. Like, what are you doing on my front porch? Why are you here? You got the nerve to show up here. He's like, and he's looking at Joram, the king of Israel. He's like, I know who you are. So let's read this again. Let's look at these two verses. Uh, verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, to Joram, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not even look at you or even notice you. <laughs> I love that. Good old Elisha telling it like it is, right? So I think it's important to note that Elisha could lose his life with a response like that. He is standing in the presence of three kings. And if these kings decide... You know, we don't like a word you just said. Off with his head. They could, have, they could have easily done that, but Elisha doesn't seem to care. And he's looking straight at Joram. He's like, you got the nerve to show up on my front porch? I know who you are. Why don't you go to your prophets, uh, the prophets of your father and your, your mother? You see, Joram is the son of Ahab and Jezebel, perhaps the evilest kings in all of Israel. And Joram wasn't much better. He was an evil king leading the people of God, the Israelites, far from worship of God. And so he's looking at him. He's just calling them out. Like, seriously, why don't you, you always go to your other prophets? Why are you here now? Oh, because now you really are in desperate times. And so now you know who you need to turn to, huh? Now you're coming to the one true God, not those false gods of your prophets. And he's calling them out right there. You see, Elisha didn't really want to obey God or worship God, but he knew he needed God. He needed a word from God right there in that moment. It's important we don't find ourselves in that place where we just constantly go to God when we need him because then we're just using him. I want to use you, God, to get what I need and what I want. Bail me out here. And we go and live as we please. It's scary when we fall into that pattern. But it's possible 
where a lot of Christians can find themselves like, I believe in you, God, and I love you, and, and, but we just kind of do our thing until we need him. And we call out to him, God, I need you, God, would you help me? You know, and again, God in his love and grace, so often, not always, but so often, he'll meet us in that moment. But he's calling out Joram, because Joram's one of those guys that he doesn't want to serve God. He doesn't want to put his trust in God. He doesn't want to allow God to transform his life and, and be someone who's just going to live this life faithfully walking with him. This is, this is why I'm encouraging us. Don't just go to God when you need him. Go to him every single day. I pray that you and I have a faith that brings faithfulness into our life, that faithfully we serve and walk with God. Hey, we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same. Let's look to him, the same loving and powerful God in every season that we find ourselves in. Not like Joram, where it's like, okay, now I need you, God. I'm desperate. But even then, if you find yourself there, okay, there's no better place to go still than God. And so in God's grace and in Elisha's grace, God using Elisha here, Elisha decides, okay, I'll, I'll help you guys out. But not because of you, Joram. He's quick to point that out, right? Only because of Jehoshaphat. See, Jehoshaphat was a man of God. He was a man who trusted God. Thankfully, there was a man of God in this group because it saved the day. This was Joram's problem. This was his issue. And if it wasn't for the guy that he partnered with, he'd have lost his life. You know, it matters who you partner with in life, right? It matters. Thankfully, he partnered with Jehoshaphat, a mighty man of God. And so here's what Elisha says. Elisha says, uh, I love this verse, verse 15. But now bring me a harpist. And so Elisha's saying, I need, I need the musician to come. He's basically saying, I need to create an atmosphere so that I can hear from God. Because the atmosphere right now, Joram, is not an atmosphere where I can hear from God. I got to get all these distractions aside. And, and, and this was not abnormal for prophets to do in the Old Testament. They would often have music accompany prophecy. The Old Testament prophets would call upon musicians so they could have some anointed music behind them and create the sensitivity to be able to hear from God because there's something that happens through anointed music. Have you ever noticed this? Music changes the atmosphere. Now, I should say music in general just does that period because that's the power of music. And so it's a matter of what atmosphere do I want to create? And some of us maybe need to evaluate the atmosphere we're allowing into our life, the atmosphere we're creating into our life by the music, the soundtrack of our life. What are we listening to? What messages do we have? Some of us, instead of just worrying and praying and stressing, as we're driving down the road and thinking about all this kind of stuff, maybe we need to turn on some worship and change the atmosphere in our car so we can change the atmosphere in our life. Some of us need to turn on some worship music at home, that some music that starts declaring how great God is, how good God is, so we can change the atmosphere of our home. This is what Elisha is doing so that he can hear from God. He is changing the atmosphere. In fact, why don't we do that right now? Where's our musician? Someone, there he is right there. Hiding in the shadows in the back. It's amazing how music can just begin to shift the atmosphere. And the moment he starts playing, you just, you just begin to sense it. You begin to feel it. And here's my encouragement to, to us. Some of us maybe need to evaluate the atmosphere in our life, need to evaluate the atmosphere in our home. Maybe there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of, 
Uh, maybe think about what are we playing through our television if, if the news, 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 and media is constantly barraging us all day long. That affects the atmosphere of our home. So what atmosphere do I have in my home? And maybe it's time for some of us to start putting on some worship music, changing the atmosphere, and have a little atmosphere of faith. Isn't it amazing how this music just begins to shift the atmosphere? And I want you to evaluate the atmosphere that you have. You know, some of us maybe need to, to, to grab our family and start worshiping as a family and change the family atmosphere. Or your roommates, grab them, begin to worship God. Change the atmosphere. Some of you needed to hear that, just that today. Maybe this is something you can do. Just, put, put, just play, play God music all day long. So the atmosphere of your home is one that promotes the Holy Spirit moving and working in your life and not the spirit of this world. You see why people have struggled over these last couple of years is because they've let the spirit of this world influence their life instead of the Holy Spirit influence them. And we need the Holy Spirit to influence us. We need him to change the atmosphere of our life. We're gonna change the atmosphere. So that's what Elisha does. Is it interesting? Bring on the musician. Bring me the harpist. And as he does, and, and as that, that musician plays, the atmosphere changes, and Elisha begins to get a word from God, and it begins to come out of his mouth. So this is what happens in the next couple of verses. While the harpist was playing, verse 16, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord said, says, make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says, you will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and you, your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And you also hand Moab over to you. Now, when you really think about that word from God, you think, that's actually kind of crazy, isn't it? God doesn't give the kings of Israel and Judah and um, Edom there. He doesn't give them like this battle plan or this battle strategy. He says, throw down your weapons and pick up shovels and start digging ditches. Like that's like, what? That's so weird. That's crazy. That's, you could even say that's ridiculous, isn't it? What a ridiculous thing to do as a bunch of soldiers. But it's amazing how sometimes we got to do the ridiculous in order to see the miraculous. And you might think it's ridiculous. You might think it doesn't make sense. You might think that, that this is silly. This is simple. But God's going to use that to bring the miraculous. It may not be the way you would approach the situation, but God says, this is what you, I'm calling you to do. And that's what's going to lead to the miraculous. There's no rain in the forecast. There's no clouds. There's no water anywhere there. And God says, grab your shovels and start digging ditches. Why would he do that? Why? Because that's how faith works, my friends. Faith works this way. Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of what I have a hope for. I'm sure of, I am certain of it. I have a conviction. I'm certain of, I don't see it but I'm still certain of it. That's what faith is. See, faith isn't just, it's not just an abstract belief. 
faith has conviction. Faith is concrete. And oftentimes, faith has feet. It's like, sometimes you got to prepare for the miracle in order to see the miracle. You know what I'm saying? you got to prepare for the miracle in order to see the miracle. That's why James says in, in chapter 2, faith without works is dead. Sometimes you got to put some feet to your faith. you got to do some works. And sometimes it might be hard work. But God is saying, if you, if you trust me, then get to work and I'll show you what I'm going to do on the other side. If you have faith and you walk in faith and you act in faith and you work in faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. If you start digging ditches, I'm going to bring the water. You see, only God can bring the water, but he's asking you and I to dig the ditches. Sometimes we got to pick up a shovel. We just got to start digging because that's putting feet to our faith. Only God can bring the water, but he expects you and I to dig the ditches. God says, you dig them, I'll fill them up. You get to work, I'll do my part. This is the paradox of great faith. <laughs> we got to be willing to do our part. And God meets us in that place. And he does his part. It's taking those steps of faith. It's moving forward. It's not just, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm just going to sit on my rear and wait for God to do his work. God oftentimes is saying, pick up a shovel and start digging some ditches. So you start digging. You're digging. And one of, the, one of the phrases we love around here is, work as if it all depends upon you, but pray as if it all depends upon God. I love that phrase because basically it's saying, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to pray hard. I'm going to work because God expects me to work. God has called me to work. He's gifted me to work. So I'm gonna work hard as if it depends upon me, but I'm also gonna pray as if it depends on, as if it all depends upon God. So I work hard and I pray hard. What that means is I pick up my shovel and I'm digging. I'm just digging. Some of you, it's time. It's time for you to keep digging. Because maybe you're like, I've been doing it, Tyrone. I've, I've been there, okay. Hey, hold on to that shovel. Keep digging. Some of you, I think this is a word from God. It's time for you to pick up your shovel. It's time to start. You're just digging. You're digging. God's asking you to do something. Okay, God. Yeah, I'll do it. I'm digging. This isn't sexy work. This is hard work. But I'm just digging ditches. This is what God has asked me to do. I'm going to stay faithful to him because I know he's going to be faithful to me. So I'm just going to keep digging. I'm going to dig. I'm going to keep seeking him. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to keep trusting in him. I'm just digging ditches. You know what I love about digging ditches? Is we're creating a space for God to move. We're creating a space for God to fill. We're saying, okay, God, I'm going to do my part so you can do your part. So I'm going to grab my shot. I'm digging, God. I'm praying, God. I'm believing. And so here we go, God. I know that you're going to work on the other side of what I'm doing. There's a, there's a space that I've created that you are going to fill up. But he's waiting for us to create that space so that he can fill it. Hmm. You know, we all want God to come through until we have to start digging for it. Some of us just want God to come through. Especially in this instant gratification day and age. But God says, get to work, son. Pick up your shovel. Ma'am, 
digging? Those ditches. That's what is digging. We're digging. Can you imagine yourself? Put yourself in that story there. These soldiers of these three armies receive a message from their kings, their leaders. All right, everybody, put down your, your swords, all your weapons, put them all away, and grab all those shovels. Probably think, what? But they do it. They got their shovels. They're digging ditches all night long. They're there. They're digging. I'm sure the dirt's hard. It's difficult. It's hard work. Sometimes digging ditches is hard. It, it, it will, it'll wear you out. It'll test your patience. It'll test your faith. But they're doing it. They're going all night long, this long, dark night. They're probably thinking, why are we doing this? These guys talk to some crazy preacher, man. Now we got to dig some ditches. Like, what? This doesn't even make sense. They're like, I came out here to fight, not to be a farmer. I didn't come out here to dig. What's going on? Yet they did, they were digging all night long. They're digging ditches. They're digging ditches. You know, it was tough. It was hard. It's sacrifice. And sometimes that's what digging ditches is. It's just sacrifice. But you know, some of the greatest breakthroughs in your, breakthroughs in your life are going to come on the other side of sacrifice. Some of those great things that God is going to show you, he's going to do in your life, it's going to come through sacrifice. We don't like sacrifice. Oh, we can be thankful for Jesus sacrificing himself for us and giving us life through his sacrifice. But when he asks us to do the same, we're like, ah. That's a lot, God. That's a lot. But whatever he asks us to do, I feel like it's always important for us to compare that to giving your life up on a cross. Just kind of compare it to that. And is it a lot? sacrifice but is it really like if through this digging ditches through sacrifice through this this hard work through this keeping the faith and trusting God if God brings something new out of it if God does a breakthrough through it is it really sacrifice or is it merely preparation it's just preparation I'm, I, I, yes, it's a sacrifice, but I know God's got something for me, so I'm just going to keep digging. I, I'm digging because this is preparation season. God's got something big for me. It's going to happen on the other side. He's called me to do this. He's called me to be this, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep digging because I'm just preparing myself. I'm preparing my situation. I'm preparing my family for what God has for us because I'm creating space for God to move. It's preparation. And so those soldiers, those fighters dug ditches all night long and wouldn't you know in the morning the valley was full of ditches ditches everywhere they didn't just dig one ditch full of ditches the water came the next morning there was no water in sight friends where did it come from god and water filled up the whole valley full of ditches i was thinking about this and something hit me this Late last night, actually. I wonder, I wonder if God knew that a whole bunch of water was going to be flowing through that area that morning. Because I've been to that region, that part of the world. And they actually told me when I was on tour around Israel, they'll have these crazy flash floods that'll just come out of nowhere. You won't even know they're coming. Then you can start hearing, you can hear it coming, and all of a sudden, then boom, it's there. I wonder if God knew there's a flash flood coming through 
And I don't want them just to see it. I want them to receive from it. I wonder if God's got some plans right now that he's already going to do in this world. I wonder if he's got some plans that he's already going to do in this city, in this time, in this place. And as you and I are digging ditches, we're not just going to see what God's going to do. We're preparing ourselves to receive what God's going to do. I don't want to just see it. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just see it. I want to receive from God. And so I just keep digging because I'm trusting God because the water's coming. The breakthrough's coming. And I want it to, to place to be ready for whatever God has. We all want God to come through until we have to start digging for it, right? Let me encourage you. Dig ditches. Do you have enough faith to pick up a shovel and dig even when there's no water in sight? you have enough faith? (laughs) Remember, prayer is the most important work you will do. So I see this as an imagery and an illustration of you and I just praying, praying. I'm seeking God. I'm calling upon him. I'm believing in faith for him to move. Whatever it is that you're asking God for, I'm preparing the way. Prayer is the most important work that you and I do. But I I think that God's going to speak many other things to you about this. This isn't just a message on prayer. It is about prayer. But for you, digging ditches is also going to mean something else. I think God's going to speak that to you. God's going to reveal that to you. What does that mean? He's asking you to pick up your shovel and and get to work. And that means something different to all of us. I believe God's going to reveal that to you. You know that physical obedience oftentimes brings spiritual breakthrough. And he's just waiting for you to walk in obedience physically to put some feet to your prayers, to do something that's going to create space for him to move. Physical obedience oftentimes brings spiritual breakthrough. And so as we're in the season of prayer, I pray that God expands and grows your prayer life. I pray that part of you digging ditches is you're like, God, okay, I'm seeking you like never before. My prayer muscles are kind of weak. This is kind of, this is difficult, but I'm, I'm going to keep going. Strengthen me, God. I need to hear from you. But we got some practical things that I think can really, really help you. Like this Wednesday night, we got a prayer lab. You want to grow your prayer life? You want to expand that? You want to learn how to hear from God and how to use those gifts he's given you? Pastor Amy does an incredible job of teaching prayer and hearing from God. So this Wednesday night, we kick off our prayer lab. That prayer lab will go for a couple months. And if I commit to going to something like that, what am I doing? I'm picking up my shovel digging ditches because I'm showing up on a Wednesday night and I'm creating space for God to move in my life. So some of you maybe need to join the prayer lab. Join us on, on Wednesday nights. Or maybe it's celebrate recovery. Maybe there's some issues in your life that have been holding you down, weighing you down, and you have never been able to kick. Maybe it's just some bad habits. Maybe it's some addiction. But God has the ability to set you free. He has freedom for you. Go to Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights. It is a phenomenal group, phenomenal ministry that will get you into God's word and show you how you can walk in the freedom that he has for you. So two great opportunities for us this week that I would encourage you to do. 
We're digging ditches. I believe this is a season that God is calling us to dig ditches. Digging ditches. Yes, it's sacrifice, but what is it really? Preparation. It's making space for God to move. Some of us, maybe we haven't been doing that. and We, we, we show up and we, we receive from God. We feel God. We sense God in these moments, and that's amazing. But here's why. It's because someone else has been digging the ditch for you. You're receiving right now because somebody else has dug the ditch. I didn't say this in first service, but I think we need to give a shout out to our Tuesday night prayer group. We got a core of four people, four ladies that everyone, every Tuesday night, they're right here, seven o'clock. And what are they doing? They're digging ditches for this church. God is doing great things in people's lives and in this church because they show up faithfully and they're praying. They're on their knees. They're hearing from God. They're believing. They're digging a ditch. And the prayer, that prayer meeting on Tuesdays is open to anybody. It's nice to receive because someone else dug our ditch, but eventually God's going to say, get your own shovel. Come on. You're going to grab your own shovel. Start digging. Because I got more for you. Because not only am I going to bring breakthrough in your life, but what I do in your life is going to bring breakthrough in other people's lives. And I think that's what it means to be more than a conqueror. How to be more? How can you be, to be a conqueror is good. How can you be more than a conqueror? Well, you not only get through it and you grow through it, but then you can help other people through it. You're more than a conqueror. So, pick up that shovel, friends. Start digging. Start digging. Only God can bring the water. But he expects you and I to dig the ditches. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, let's, let's take some time and let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.